on July 23rd, 2 p.m. EST, we'll be hosting a free live edition of the Scaling Culture podcast with special guest Greg Thompson. For our Scaling Culture listeners, this is an awesome opportunity to hear a live interview and participate in an open Q&A session. July 23rd, 2 p.m. EST. See the show description for details. We encourage you to share this event with everyone in your network. Thanks. You're listening to the Scaling Culture Podcast, where we sit down with thought leaders who share their experiences building incredible workplace cultures. Sebastian Ross is a thought leader in the space of leadership, culture, and conscious business. His mission? To help people flourish in life through work. He studies theories, methodologies, and systems that allow companies to create healthy cultures, thriving employees, social impact, and financial success. On today's episode, Sebastian explains conscious capitalism, vertical development, and how our competing beliefs can get in the way of meaningful growth. Welcome to another Scaling Culture podcast. I'm super excited. Today, we have Sebastian Ross coming all the way from Barcelona, Spain. Welcome, Sebastian. Thank you, Ron. Great to be here. Good Yeah, good really. Yeah, look, I'm super stoked uh, that you were able to give us your time today, and I'm sure everyone will be excited to hear what we have to say. Before we get going, give us a, just, just for the listeners, a quick background, who you are, and what brought you to where you are today. I'm German. Um, been living in Spain for 20 years. Studied uh, business, got a PhD in business uh, as well. And since then, I have, I've done a little bit of everything at the disastrous CV. Nobody would hire me, I think. Uh, so I've been in, in, in banking in a big pharmaceutical companies. I had my own technology companies. I was a venture capitalist. Um, I was uh, uh, an executive for, for the people side, a chief people officer in a healthcare company. And um, also very active in, in uh, what we call conscious capitalism, a, a movement that uh, comes from the U.S. and we founded here four or five years ago. So that's something that, that's really, really meaningful. And I think what brought us together here is uh, is our connection to Vern Harnish. You know, I've been a big fan of Vern and became friends uh, with Vern when when he used to live here in Barcelona. Uh, we're working on a on a book project with him, and uh, I understand that's also uh, the guy who brought us together somehow. Is that yeah. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. It was Vern that introduced us, I'm, and I'm very thankful that he did. So, so bring me to conscious capitalism. I, don't, I think some people don't know what that means, so let's des- describe what that is, and then w- what brought you into that? What, what made you want to get involved? Conscious capitalism is a movement that promotes a different way of doing business. We came to the conclusion, and I think many people would agree with that, that capitalism in the current firm doesn't really work. A lot of um, damage being done to people and and the environment. Uh, huge crisis, you know, that probably would have been avoidable, like the two thousand eight uh, world worldwide crisis. And um, it was founded by John Mackey, a gentleman probably familiar to um, many of our listeners, the CEO and founder of uh, Whole Foods, who built yeah. um, from a small start of a food stand in in Austin in the seventies, a, a very large company which is now part of, of Amazon. And he figured out a different way of doing business, which is much more respect to all the people, not, not just employees, but all the stakeholders. He, mm. he defends that 
business needs to take care of all stakeholders. You need them all, um, and then only optimizing, maximizing for the for the investors, for the shareholders, uh, it doesn't work. It's not a good formula uh, for the world, and he's trying to correct that. And it's a movement that works a little bit like EO and and YPO in forms of chapters, regional, uh, city city-based um, chapters, and um, the, the basic idea is um, to uh, tell people about uh, the, the philosophy, a different way of business, with this, but then you go deep, and there's a lot of uh, practices also now that you can t- teach companies of what to do different, and then also to build community, uh, to get people together who, who think in the same way, uh, so they also gather uh, knowledge, uh, have contacts, do business with each other, and, and generate um, courage also because sometimes you depending on what environment you are you can be looked at uh, as, a, as a very strange guy if you speak of love and business mm-hmm. um, people look at you could look a little strange but if you if you are together with people who are practicing this and they're very successful with that then you generate the the courage to, to take steps on on your own and that's something i, I deeply uh, believe in and i i came to it when I heard Rash Tesodia, who's one of the founders and also the author of the, mm-hmm. the book called Conscious Capitalism, speak at the MIT. I did a summer course there for entrepreneurship. And it just uh, it hooked me. I'm sort of a, a Buddhist. Um, yeah. But until I, I, I met Rash and discovered the philosophy, these were kind of separate lives, no? kind of my, my, my private right. spiritual life. But I couldn't right. really bring it into the business side. And Conscious Capitalism kind of brought it together, resonated very deeply with me and on a, on a way Rash, back. I get, I get at 10,000 feet, but what does it look like when it enters the company? So what is it, how does comp conscious capitalism, what is the cult? If you bring that into the, the, the business culture, what does that look like? Um, it's, it starts with conscious leadership. Um, mm-hmm. Something I, I think we also wanted to talk to, about yeah. uh, today. So it's, it's very much also a personal journey. You won't, you won't ever have a conscious business if you don't have um, reasonably conscious leaders um, yeah. who want to do good in the world and not just uh, optimize for, for themselves in a material uh, sense. And then purpose is a huge thing where kind of it all starts. You need to find out what your business is really for on the world besides making money. We look at it as a consequence of doing uh, solving problems for people and then uh, money will flow if you do that well and carefully. Um, conscious, conscious culture is also the way you treat um, you, mm-hmm. your people, your em- employees. That's a lot. I think you, you know a lot about that. And then as I mentioned earlier, also the, the stakeholder approach to so really uh, to gather a community of purpose, uh, vendors, the community, the, the tax men, mm-hmm. um, and everybody says, this company is doing something meaningful and we're in with them and we support them and they take care of us as well. Uh, we're mm-hmm. a necessary element. They don't squeeze us and exploit us, but they, they, they make sure we always, we always win. Everybody wins in conscious capitalism. And one of the, one of the first reactions to some people that hear about that and hear about like a, a culture of love must say, wow, but can that, can you, can you still be productive? Can you still be results driven and have accountability and, and, and operate um, with that uh, methodology. And what have you seen? I think so. I mean, I've, um, I've I try to uh, apply it in my humble own own context. I was part of a healthcare company mm-hmm. until the 31st of 
um, December last year as a chief people officer. I joined them seven years ago. It's a friend of mine who founded it, another friend who was a CEO. And we, we practiced that. It was quite a successful ride. And I, I cannot complain about uh, lack of accountability or commitment. It's just the opposite. I mean, in, in healthcare, I have to agree, it's a little bit easier because it's, the purpose is kind of in your face. You know, we, right. Right. We do radiology and um, what, what our 300 doctors do every day decides about life. So, so that, that's, that's fairly easy and, and a certain type of people are attracted to that. But it, it works in, in any kind of um, business. I mean, even in, as, a, as a clerk in a, in a Whole Foods store, you can, if you do it well, you could give people a, a lot of meaning and sense and they feel good about themselves. You, know? you give them liberty. And um, so I, I, think, I would say you, 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 we didn't, for example, we didn't have a, 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 in any way develop performance management system. Mm -hmm. We didn't need to, I, I would say. Um, so how do you drive accountability? So, so you brought out the best in an individual, make sure they're connected to the purpose, the values. How do you, how do you hold someone accountable then? Because it's not, you know, it, they're not always going to uh, achieve results. People have, you know, whether it's a disconnect or they have their own personal issues going on. How, how do you drive the accountability piece? And then, yeah, let's start there. And then I've got a, a follow-up question. Yeah, yeah. And we were... Um, uh, good students of, of Vern and so the, the whole execution part another planning part and that uh, we, we followed we had about, uh, three to five years uh, the key thrusting capabilities and the yearly uh, initiatives and and all that and, and that tickled down and I think we we're pretty good also in communicating that to so very regular town halls and emails and videos from the from the C CEO like um, just letting people know where we're going uh, keeping them in touch with what, what's what's the priorities helps and and then we uh, invented something that we called the the coaching system so th that was our version of, of performance management no, we didn't have any ranking or um, uh, formal evaluation but we made mm -hmm. sure that all leaders uh, so everybody who had responsibility for other people that they were at least in weekly conversations with them you know? right we gave them uh, quite a um, detailed structure a little bit like the meeting rhythm for uh, the, the leadership teams that Vern speaks about um, we, we invented that for the individual conversation so you had a three weeklies with this kind of a standard uh, agenda weekly one-on-ones and then on the fourth you altered the agenda and spoke about uh, career development you had a line what we call a line of sight conversation where you try to explain to the individual who what they're doing is connected to the wider objectives of of the, the company, we had uh, even personal sharing conversations where for those that don't tend to do that, uh, they took some time to really just share what's happened uh, in the, in the life outside what of were the biggest What were the biggest roadblocks in that? What, what, what came up that got in the way as you tried to implement that internally? Um, a discipline in actually doing that. Um, some, some people then, then tend to forget and um, mm -hmm. we flavor of the we, week we, we start it and, it and we just don't have a cadence we don't we don't commit to it exactly you know so uh, bringing uh, transparency also in, into this and then making sure you know from a leadership perspective you know do you people have these conversations so you follow up with them um but other than that uh, i think it, it it works pretty well i'm actually going to write about it and i think it needs still some some twist it's it's not it's not perfect but since everybody's going away from kind of classical um, performance 
management and, and rankings and, and all that. Um, I think that's uh, quite a powerful alternative uh, that I'll, I'll keep experimenting with. Mm -hmm. And I, I know that vertical leadership development is important to you. T tell me more about that. Yeah, um, I think we all use quite lightly the term learning and development, and there are tons of definitions out there. Uh, mm -hmm. But um, I, I studied that uh, quite intensively uh, last year, and I think um, it makes a lot of sense to distinguish between between the two. And uh, horizontal development uh, is what I would call learning. That is uh, teaching people skills and knowledge. Okay. That's necessary, and that's training. what uh, training is. Training, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. so you, somebody, somebody who knows uh, could be a video, could be a podcast, it could be a book, could be a, a proper training. Uh, so that's horizontal teach, learning. Yeah, that's that's horizontal uh, uh, horizontal development, uh, which is equal to to learning. And then there's development at such, which uh, I then call vertical development, which is is less about. Uh, what you can do and what you know about how you think. It's about your, your, your mental models, your, hmm. your ability to grasp uh, complexity. And the, this, this links to a whole theory about adult development. Not too long ago, only 40, 50 years ago, we kind of thought that psychological development ended in our mid-20s. Mm -hmm. But it, it turns out that's not the case. And people continue to develop and, and there are distinct stages and you can really recognize behavior, typical behavior for each of these stages. So verticals and, is developing how you think. Exactly. It's, okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's men mental models. Um, so um, somebody might, yeah, might think example. that, um, uh, for example, you, you should trust people. No, uh, and somebody else says, um, no, uh, you, you don't trust anybody until they've really proven that they, uh, that you, that they deserve your, your trust. That's no? a very different uh, approach to, to, to leadership, for, for example. And uh, that, that's, a, that's a mental model and uh, it can be a huge limitation and vertical development, if you do it in organizations, that's what we try to promote. Uh, tries to break that that mental model and and teach somebody that or show somebody, but it needs to be life experience. You cannot teach that in a classroom. Well, that, uh, that's tough because you're you're now you know I'll go back to that trust you know issue. This is like a a belief system based on my own experiences, my own environment. So so how do you shift someone in the vertical model from believing that you should shouldn't trust to now believing you should or, or converting how, what's the process how do you and that must be difficult and change for different individuals and vertical de development requires um, three kind of a cocktail of three elements uh, call it friction Being, uh, yeah, go reflection deep. okay and integration uh, and, okay. and friction you can also call that heat so you need to make somebody really uncomfortable. Growth doesn't happen if you're if everything is fine. Mm -hmm. right? Then you kind of stick to what uh, what you know, what feels comfortable, what has made you successful up to that point. You know? And uh, th that's why major life crises, midlife crisis, divorce, job loss, and and that if you they either break you uh, or they uh, spur really a growth, a jump in your growth. psychological right. growth. You know? mm -hmm. And um, you don't want to, it sometimes happened, obviously, you know, crisis and, and that happens in, in organization as well. Uh, but you can also kind of artificially uh, generate that. So somebody throwing somebody in a, into a job responsibility that is uh, significantly uh, 
too big for that person. Mm -hmm. But if you accompany them, if you're there for them, if you coach them, um, then you can provoke vertical growth. No? For example, somebody, you throw somebody into a situation where they don't know much about uh, the subject matter, they become leader of uh, a new area, the department, they have expert reporting to them, they don't have a choice of trusting. No? They, they cannot right. handle the complexity, they don't have the, the knowledge. Right. You throw them in there, and uh, stand by them and support them and coach them uh, and you have a, a benevolent environment, then they can, they can see the benefits of trust all of a sudden mm-hmm. and then they can thrive. No? They can focus on the, on the strategic stuff or on the relationship, whatever, whatever their priority and talent is, but they don't need uh, the control anymore. Okay. That's, that's one example. No? But you, you need to put somebody, you need to put heat under their butt to provoke development. So you need, yeah, you need, and heaping, there has to be some emotional, internal challenge, uncomfortable, you know, um, and then, and then tell us about moving to reflection. So I'm uncomfortable, you know, um, my energy's been off. I'm, I, I've got a serious challenge, friction, heat, as you said, and then yeah, when does yeah. it move you, to reflection? You, you need, you need time to think about this and ideally not on your own, also on your, on your own. And that's a, that's a big challenge in, in our crazy mm-hmm. VUCA, VUCA world, know that um, companies, there's, there's never a break. There's always something urgent, always a yeah. fire to, to extinguish. We don't, we don't have time to think in silence anymore. Yeah, yeah. but we need, to, we need to do that. We need to protect yeah. time. Uh, yes. For example, we as in, in the healthcare company, Telemedicine Clinic, um, is it, its name, we instituted a, uh, we protected time for the leadership team uh, once a month. We call it authentic conversation where we got together at five o'clock in the afternoon, a four-hour hmm. meeting until nine, uh, with no agenda, we had our, our company, our leadership team coach with us. He facilitated, facilitated a little bit. We just did a check-in and then see what, what happened. And that was just luxury time uh, with no agenda where all the important stuff. We, our, for the last years, our important conversations always happen on that, on that afternoon. No? But it does. It purposely at, at five, no, from five to nine. So everybody's, uh, most people are gone already and we have right. the space for ourselves with a little bit of food and beer. And I was just going to say, Sebastian, it sounds like you're, uh, you're, you're basically um, uh, explaining a, a party. It sounds like a party. <laughs> no, it was, uh, we had tears uh, as, as well. It's not, not always fun. No, uh, but kind of in, in, our, in the regular crazy Day to day, the important mm-hmm. stuff doesn't come up. No, there's a big personal issue with somebody, you know, um, and, and there's, they don't even have time to think about it, uh, let alone to work mm-hmm. on, the, on, on the conflict. No? It's interesting. Then, we um, go we ahead. just hired someone uh, not too long ago. Uh, the last two hires, I should say, what we did is had someone do a full Q&A in-depth interview over Zoom. It was recorded um, informal. And we sent that to everybody. And, and I know my experience from receiving that, I watched that interview over a glass of wine on a Friday evening, and I probably got to know more about that person than I, it would have t- taken me six years to get that much information. Wow. Because, you know, we just don't get what you said. There's, there's little formats to really get to know somebody. We're, we're, we're at work and it's just business. And then on to the next day where it's business again. Totally. Uh, you might get these micro bites, but you're right. It's, it's off work. It's past five o'clock when people have their guards down, they can feel more authentic, more comfortable that they also open up and share. Uh, and it sounds like that really worked in that organization. You guys were able to really 
build bonds, build relationships and, and get comfortable. Yeah, it was magical in the end. Um, we, didn't, we didn't sold the company and I think they, a lot of it also had, had to do with, um, with the cohesion that we built in the leadership team. We're a very powerful team, uh, really healthy, I, I would say, because we had that space to, to get stuff that gets in the way emotionally and mm. get, uh, get it out, you know, kind of purify it. Um, so, so go back to reflection. So, so you made space where people could reflect, but it sounds like maybe in a group setting, but it's, it still seemed to work. So they would reflect on their challenge yeah. or issue, and then, and then what would happen? And then you need to integrate it. No, then you, you gain clarity about um, kind of the, the, your, your old way of seeing things, the new way of seeing things, but then um, it doesn't happen just by, by itself. No, you get, intellectually, you've understood it, but then you need to integrate it. And there, um, coaching, uh, peer coaching, executive coaching are, uh, are great tools. Um, also, more and more uh, technology-based um, little nudges, you know, an app on your phone that reminds you of uh, what you wanted to do. You know, usually, it's, it's about habits, you know, go, going into a meeting with a different mindset, uh, mm-hmm. not jumping at somebody who says uh, and triggers you or whatever. Also, um, accountability groups. You know? Then you share mm-hmm. your big thing, what you want to change. You know, out of that reflection process, there's usually one thing you would mm-hmm. like to like to change and and then you tell people about it uh, and then you ask them to observe you uh, and then they uh, every whatever two weeks every four weeks uh, they give you feedback how, how are you doing is that do, do you move move the needle go back to this trust issue let's walk it through so i i feel i don't trust somebody there's a lack of trust and how, do, how does it go back to the friction for a second? It starts because maybe you notice this and you say ron you're, you, you know you don't trust so-and-so and and I think it's a challenge because essentially it's a blind spot. I'm not going to, it's probably going to be seldom that I get to a place myself and start to reflect. Most people don't have that type of self-awareness. So someone brings it to me and says, Hey Ron, I notice you're really giving, you know, Sarah a hard time here and, and what's going on. Maybe there's a lack of trust. Is that where the friction comes from? Is that where someone, you know, one of my peers brings that up and that causes friction for me? Absolutely. Okay. Then I reflect on this. And then how do I get to, from self-reflection to integration, I probably need help, right? Like, I mean, I don't know what I don't know. And so once I land on reflection, and you know what, you're right, Sebastian, I think there's something there. How do I move to integration, especially if I'm not vulnerable enough to ask for help with this, because this is a little tough for me, and I don't have experience. Is this something that you and the executive team or whoever would, would guide me through in this case? Yeah, as, I think ideally you you grow in a group, you know, and um, an intact leadership team is a perfect um, uh, environment to, to grow together. You know? But you can also, if you have individuals who participate in leadership programs you know, from different areas of the company, then you can also get get them together. You know, and, and peer coaching is a, a big part of that. You know? Are you part of EO or YPO? Yeah, yeah. I'm in EO and was was uh, in YPO for many years as well. But today, yeah. just no. And I'm in I'm in three peer to peer forums, so I know it well. Yeah. yeah. So you see, you know what? How powerful that can be. And yeah, probably would agree that. Um, that but the heat. integration there is a little different than a business environment because let's go back to trust. Someone's, you know, my I'm giving a presentation, so I'm being vulnerable because uh, I've 
got a challenge typically. So I bring this up, people give me their own experience and then I may make a commitment. Uh, I might take something uh, from someone else's experience to integrate, but I've kind of made that decision on my own versus mm -hmm. is what you're talking about really coming from, um, from a leader in the organization to, to, to really guide and help someone through that, or it can be a combination. I think it's, it's definitely helpful if uh, it's somehow structured um, and the, the people department can set up, um, even if it's, uh, it doesn't have to be a huge program, no? but uh, to create those, go, go offsite and use some of uh, the tons of tools also, no 360, all sorts of 360s uh, that kind of give you the feedback, give, give you the heat. And, uh, and then the 360 is, is review by peers up above to the sides and, and below you, correct? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the structure, structured feedback uh, from, from, from all sides. Uh, you mm -hmm. get all sorts of good and good and bad. And then with a little bit of help and it's sufficient, you don't need uh, coaches and consultants for that. No, in your peer group, whatever, your management team or, or the other teams, uh, let them together figure out what's, mm. what's a big thing. No, what um, to speak about it. No, there, there might be three things that I would love to work on, but for others, they probably perceive what is, most right. in, in your way and then they help you identify it and, and help you see it and then you get clarity of what you want to do and then use the same group of people and maybe even a wider circle and say go go back to your team for example Let, let's say mm -hmm. you you discover this in, in the leadership team and you go back to your uh, operations team or hr team and say to you the people reporting to you uh, that's what we figured out together that's what my colleagues uh, think that i should work on and you could let them challenge that and then I want to be very open about it, and I, uh, you now confirm it. That's a challenge for me, and I would love to work on it. No? So um, please watch me for the coming months uh, in, in this and this and this, and I will ask you for feedback, you know, and then see if you can move the needle. It's interesting. It sounds like an exercise, which we've certainly used many times uh, internally and externally. Uh, have you heard of start, stop, continue? Yes. Right. Yeah. It sounds like that. So we're in a group. And everybody uh, knows the exercise is to um, basically um, um, give feedback to their peers. They write down what their peers should start doing, what they should stop doing, and what they should continue to do. And that, that for me, has always been a good way to grab uh, some of those things that may be a little, uh, we may be blinded by or, or have different perspectives than our team. To use that, you know, this, this can be used to create some friction because obviously there's friction on both sides. Some people are like, oh my God, Ron has asked me to tell him what, even though, you know, I'm on his payroll and, and I report to Ron, this is awkward for me now. And so I typically lead and say, I need your help in identifying this. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I need to know what I need to start doing and I need to know what I need to stop doing and, and what should I continue to do? What, what are the things that, that allow me um, the honor of having, being your leader, you know? And what's, what's important in vertical development too, you need to dig a little bit deeper than you, you might be able to do in a start, stop, uh, keep, keep exercise. And we, we spoke about uh, beliefs and these are usually not open or people observe behaviors, but they don't exactly know what kind of theories are underlying. Mm. You know? So you, you don't really, uh, you can't really say that he doesn't um, trust, but you, you, uh, you observe right. behavior that speaks to that. You know? And, uh, so in this case, Robert, Robert King, someone's saying, saying, Ron, you should 
stop jumping to conclusions, but they don't, it, the trust is the real issue and it doesn't go there through that exercise. That's what you're saying, right? Exactly. Yeah. You don't have awareness. And then uh, also you, you end up having, um, so even if you identify it, but then you have competing uh, uh, beliefs. So um, you want to be, uh, you want to delegate more, uh, but what's holding you back is trust because not trusting, not trusting has served you mm -hmm. so so well, so if if uh, superficially in a start so keep exercise, it would come. Uh, the outcome would be, um, you need to delegate more. Okay, I, I will delegate more. But if you don't realize it, you have the need for a, a lot of control. Not that right. you, you don't trust, and you won't end up doing it. So you need exercise, exercise and help and conversation to dig deeper and come to the to the belief level. Ro Robert King in a Harvard professor he has a wonderful book, Immunity to Change. Immunity and there's a, a tool in there which uh, in, in a very elegant form leads you to discover these beliefs that boycott, um, boycott your intended behavior. No? So you, I want to do more of that, and I, I get it, and I'm grateful for the feedback, but that something is holding you back, and that's why change doesn't happen. That's why change is so, mm -hmm. so difficult. And then this, this exercise uh, discover, helps you to discover the competing belief that's holding you back. Uh, immunity to change is that it's really really insightful exercise powerful exercise i love that i'm gonna i'm gonna check it out uh, i haven't even heard of that book so i'm certainly gonna research it but this is really this is deep i mean you know it's interesting i talk about the start stop continue that's too deep for some organizations they're not ready culturally to do that they are not vulnerable enough there's not enough trust you're going deeper how do you how do you how do you go there you know how do you get an organization to embrace that type of deep you know, that, that's, that's big stuff, especially yeah. in large organizations. It's, it, it's hard. You, you need to uh, mm. modulate it and, and, and find the right uh, approach and go, go soft in the beginning. I don't have a huge experience. I do a little bit of consulting on, on the side. I've always done that. But I guess I'm, I have a, a way of selecting the, the people that I, I, I spend time with and um, you quickly know where, how open people are, are to this. So I, I probably, I wouldn't uh, end up uh, trying to help a, a company that is really at the opposite end and are very much in a, uh, in a controlled fashion and um, that right. would, would be my, 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 my play, playground, I, I, I would say. You need, it must you need humble leaders. I was just going to say, it has to come from the leader. I mean, totally. we know that organizations that have leaders that really take, that, that are vulnerable and take responsibility, even for something that happened, you know, 15 rungs down the, the ladder at the front lines, um, that, that they still take responsibility for every action of the company, you know, and that they're vulnerable about that and don't point fingers and, and, and speak to their own blind spots. You know, I, I, I'll go back to, I brought a, 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 hired a coach for the first time after I sold my business. And we went through a similar exercise where we really went to um, coworkers, peers, it could be anonymous or they could be open about a deeper version of start, stop, continue. Where, where you know, what are things that you really think that Ron does um, an excellent job that make you feel good? What are some things that you've noticed that may help him to further develop his leadership? Um, we kind of went through that. And it was really great. I mean, there were some things that I certainly knew, you know, stop showing up late. It's pissing people off. There's some simple <laughs> wins, right? Uh, uh, don't interrupt. And I just said, look, I have ADHD. I can't help that. But uh, you just have to live with it. 
but you know, there, there were certain things that I knew about other things that I thought, you know, there's something here, you know, this is something that I wasn't as aware of, but it was some consistent feedback and allowed me to work with that coach on saying, okay, out of these five items, um, here's what I feel is important. I think this will have the biggest impact on those around me. Let's focus here. Yeah. And we also need to see that a lot of money is wasted on the horizontal development uh, track mm -hmm. um, be because you teach people stuff that they're not capable of doing until they grow vertically. You, know, you can tell people to be vulnerable and, and open in exercise in, in feedback exercises no, or, or show compassion. But if somebody is in a development state where very much fear-driven, no, they, they identify themselves by the group they, they belong to, no, they, they, they're just trying to uh, f fit in. And, and they, won't, they won't be capable of uh, applying what they learn in a course about how you do feedback. No, that, that right. it just doesn't, it doesn't work. So you send people away and it all sounds good and they intellectually understand it but they're not capable of doing it until you show them what we discussed. No, well, mm -hmm. you're, you, you're stuck in those, this mindset and these, these four beliefs are holding you back. And until you overcome them and adopt a wider perspective, uh, you won't be able to change. You won't be able to apply that. Now, it's a little bit, I love the metaphor, metaphor of, um, it's like a, when you're at a, at a lower development or earlier development stage, you're in a valley and then, Development is kind of climbing up the mountain and getting more and more perspective. You see the, mm -hmm. the landscape, you, know, you see more and more of it, and you can, you can position yourself. You understand the world differently if you see more of it. You know? all, all of a sudden, somebody from a different valley is speaking to you while you're in your own valley. They describe things that you don't get, but when you come to, you know, to the peak and you can down look at, at their valley, then all of a sudden that makes sense what these people mm -hmm. say. You know? And the map gets more, more granular. So it's, it's, a lot, it's, it's about awareness and widening the perspective and you, you need that for i think for for um, successful leadership especially in, in more and more complex environments you don't have an option uh, right you, you need to grow vertically otherwise you are you you drown in complexity you're in over your head but it, this sounds like something that you certainly need outside help for most companies probably don't have the tools internally to do what you're talking about would that be yes. fair yeah yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know, because even peer-to-peer -peer groups, uh, I, it, which I think are very powerful, we use these with clients. But we facilitate to provide, you know, direction because it, it sounds like the two ways to get there that come to mind are facilitated peer-to-peer -peer or external coach. Yeah, I mean, you can you can do a lot of things. It's a whole universe. I'm actually writing this up now. Um, you know, the, the intervention that organizations can do to foster vertical growth. You know, and mm -hmm. I think of it in these three categories, friction, reflection, and, and integration. There are tons of small things and big things that, that you can do. It doesn't always have to be a big develop, development programs. You know? uh, but you, you need help um, just to get the, the theory um, I mean, I, I always worked part-time in, in recent years, so I had time to research and right. read all that stuff and I could bring, bring it back. And, but nevertheless, we also got a little bit of out, outside help. Uh, but it makes a lot of sense. And, and if you work with somebody, if you want to do that, you also may, need to make sure that this person really understands what they're talking about, that they know what vertical development is. Ideally, they're also a late-stage leader. Right, you know? right. Because if they, if they don't 
if they don't know what they're talking about, they've ne they have not been there. Uh, it's also, it's a little theoretical. They have difficulty transmitting what this, this is really about. That's great. So look, let's get a final thought. Where, people that are listening, where do they start as the individual if they want vertical growth? Where's the starting point for them? There's a wonderful tool. Um, it's a 360 uh, tool. So you, you cannot do it properly on, on, on your own. You need other people, but you can do it, you can do it in, your, in your private uh, circles. Um, it's called the, the Leadership uh, Circle Profile. Um, there's a, mm -hmm. a, a book uh, written by Bob Anderson and, and Bill Adams called Mastering Leadership. For me, the best book ever written about leadership. Um, and it and talks a about tool. leadership circle profile. That's the tool is called Leadership Circle Profile. Yeah, the book is called Mastering Mastering Leadership. And the Leadership Circle Profile is a, a 360 a profile in, in that sense conventional, uh, but, but in, in another terms, it, it's not because it, it is an indirect measure also at your development stage. So it shows you uh, where you are in your thinking. Mm. There are different, different schools that have different uh, names and number of, of, of stages, but it's a little bit like a, like a sausage. You cut the sausage in, in, in more or less, less, less pieces. Is it spicy? And, sorry? Is it spicy? <laughs> it can be very spicy. So, <laughs> um, so you have a, a profound uh, analysis of your, it has, it has a competency, competency, competency model, but at the same time also it gives you clear indication uh, at what development stage uh, mm -hmm. you are. And that's a, a wonderful mirror, no? That's a starting point, say, yeah. wow, okay, no? And then you, from there you can dig, dig a little bit deeper to understand the, the, these stages and what is typical behavior. Right. And then you can go, even simple journaling is, is extremely helpful. Mm -hmm. Just reflecting on your day, if you have that, you have that language and you, um, you have these, these models, you have names, you can give names to what you observe in your day to day and then you write about it mm -hmm. once a day or once, once a week. That's already a, a, an excellent start. Right. And we, that's, that's how we got started actually. We, we did that exercise and this, this assessment and it was mind-blowing for some, tough also, because that's, there's some tough messages also. I mean, there are five stages and you're in two or three, uh, that's, that's a blow to your ego at the beginning. Yeah, that's, you know? right. But, that's right. But I prefer to know <laughs> what's out there and how it can, how it can evolve, because that's, kind of li that's what life is about. Mm. And then there's a clear uh, correlation, statistically uh, proven, that uh, it has uh, it increases your leadership effectiveness. No? So late stage leaders are far more effective. Jim yeah. Collins calls this a le level five leaders. No? Yeah. He doesn't refer to uh, stage theory, uh, unfortunately, but it's clearly recognizable. Now, what he describes is somebody really late stage. No? The humility, mm -hmm. the systems perspective, the ability to deal with um, with, with polarities, no, not go crazy because they're contradicting. <laughs> Uh, elements that you have to deal with. No, yes, we need to uh, save costs, but we also need to right. uh, have uh, get, get more clients. No, and uh, how, how do you deal with it, with it, with the two contradicting ideas at the same time? All those qualities are, are late stage leaders. Mm -hmm. We just um, and that all leadership books they describe that, but they don't give you the, the theory behind, and that there's that there are distinct stages, and that mm -hmm. there's technologies that that get you there, you know, but, but by reading a book, you won't become a late stage leader. It wouldn't, it won't happen. 
Well, look, uh, this was great. I, I had never heard of the, the, the label of vertical um, growth. I just think that's awesome. I love this friction reflection integration. I think that you explained it beautifully. It makes sense. Uh, so, Sebastian, look, thanks again. I appreciate you joining us today. Let me let me um, let me share one more more yeah. resource because I think it's a good good way to start. There's a a wonderful white paper by a guy called Nick Petrie. It's called Vertical Development, and it's um, issued by the Center for Creative Leadership. So, if, if you want to share that with your your okay. audience, it's, no. it's two piece two white two white papers, uh, volume one and two. And it gives a wonderful introduction and kind of like 15, 30 pages, I don't remember exactly, uh, into the topics. You don't have to read the uh, whole books, but it's, uh, I think, a great way to kind of get positioned and understand the, the, the topic. And then from there, you can dig deeper. Also, lots of references in this. Beautiful. Okay? Love it. Sebastian, thank you. Once again, thanks welcome, for welcome. time. Yes, great seeing you. I'm glad you're well. And uh, let's stay in touch. Wonderful. Thanks for, for listening and asking interesting questions. Take care. For more information on Sebastian Ross and everything related to scaling culture, please see the show description. We'll be back next week with another incredible guest. 